not everybody is comfortable with aligning themselves in that force of divinity straight away. Some people need bridges. That's what I think religion has been for a lot of people. You know, my master's is in theology. I like to say that I'm a theologian with no dogma. It's true. I don't care about the the dogma piece because it's your relationship with spirit and the divine. Hello, I'm Julie Kroll. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. Welcome. Your journey of conscious evolution continues right here, right now. I was sound asleep in the middle of the night when I was awakened by a muddled shout coming from a distance. It was my mother yelling directions as she was trapped in the basement below. Get out of the house. Get out through the window. My sisters were already in action as I was trying to wake from a deep sleep. In a drowsy, disoriented stupor, I arose from my bed, feeling around in the dark, and opened the sliding parlor doors to my room. The heat from the fire and bellows of smoke were immediately overwhelming, like a stinging slap on my face. I closed the doors and began making my way to my sister's room. I saw shadows of both as they escaped the west window, one helping the other. When I got there, the only thing I could think of was to dive like I did at the swimming pool, head first. As I jumped, a being of light, mostly a set of very large luminous hands, picked me up and sat me safely on the ground next to my sister's feet first. Angel encounters. When and why do they occur and how? What can they teach us about the true nature of reality and our place in it? In this episode, Dr. Paul Mills and I have invited two esteemed guests who understand this phenomenon. So I invite you to take a few conscious breaths, bring your awareness to your heart, relax, open your mind, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce my co-host, Dr. Paul Mills is Professor of Public Health and Family Medicine at the University of California, San Diego. He has over 400 scientific publications in the fields of pharmacology, oncology, cardiology, psychoneuroimmunology, behavioral medicine, and integrative health. He's the author of the book, Science, Being, and Becoming, The Spiritual Lives of Scientists. Thank you, Julie. It's great to be back together again. I'll begin by introducing one of our two hosts. Tricia McCannon is the author of the best-selling book, Angels, Personal Encounters with Divine Beings of Light, a book in the Common Sentient series. A renowned clairvoyant, historian, author, and teacher, Tricia has traveled the world in search of answers to the greatest mysteries of the ages. As a dedicated researcher, and mystical symbologist, she is known as the mysteries expert. And then we have Dr. Tiffany Jean Barsati. She's a researcher of subtle energy and biofield therapies. She's published her work in prominent integrative medicine journals and books. 
Tiffany has presented her work at numerous venues, including the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine, the Science of Consciousness Conference, and the Science and Non-Duality Conference. Her most recent work examines the effects of sacred objects on the human biofield. Tiffany's recent book is titled The Biology of Transformation, The Physiology of Presence and Spiritual Transcendence. And welcome to you both. We are so excited to have you with us today. It's a total pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Indeed. It's nice to have you, you, Trisha, and Tiffany, you too. Mm. We have a traditional first question here because this is the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. And as we were preparing for the show, it's quite evident that both of you live and breathe and work in the field of all things connected. But I'm wondering as you're preparing for this conversation today, if anything comes out to you, I'm going to, I'm going to bring Paul in here in a second, but I want to open this to you. And I, I think I'll start with you, Tiffany, um, just briefly, what does all things connected mean to you as you prepare for this conversation? Mm, thank you for your story also, Julie. It's, it, it really is profound how these light beings and angels appear in our lives at all kinds of opportunity times. What comes to mind about all things connected is this idea, Jan Smuts, S-M-U-T-S, he was a scientist in the early 1900s, and he put forth a concept of holism, saying that all things are connected. And at that time, actually in 1910, because he didn't really get around to writing until later, he said that all these concepts, the old, they're all old concepts and formulas, and they're no longer adequate to expect to express our modern outlook. And I, I really think that captures really what's been happening in science for already so many years. And now when we really look at the holism, who are we in our whole nature? And there is a science that offers this. And it's more of a mystical science. It's an inclusionary science. It's not a reductionistic science. That's a good framework for our conversation today. I look forward to expanding that a little bit more. Thank you, Tiffany. And how about you, Tricia? What does all things connected mean to you as we prepare for this conversation about angels? Yeah, let me say that uh, I we got a chance to chat just a few minutes before our show, and I think each one of the three of you are amazing, and it's such a joy to be on with all of you because we all have different perspectives about the same conversation. For me, as a as a mystic and also a historian and a researcher. When we go into those inner realms and we begin to experience the divine within us, we ultimately, you know, as we move from releasing the egoic identity of the little self or the human self, you know, we ultimately come to realize in a more self-realized or God-realized state that the divine exists within all beings whether they're a blade of grass or a kitty cat or a planet or a star or each one of us. And of course, we're limited to the consciousness that we're willing to tap into at that time or hold. But ultimately, when we expand that consciousness, we realize that each one of us is a reflection of the divine in various vibrational states of consciousness. 
Uh, and of course, scientists today, as I'm sure Paul and Tiffany would attest because they have some of that scientific background, are really telling us, you know, the same thing mystics have been telling us. The, the first principle, let's say, is love. Now, scientists don't talk about love, but the, the next one is sound, the phonons, uh, that then produces the photons or the light, and it's the energy. So basically, even matter by scientists is considered a certain level of frozen and energy. Of course, the particles are vibrating within the matter, but at least it's densified into a form. So in that way, we're, we're really all connected. I mean, energy is within us, outside of us, and all around us. Uh, so when you tap into that matrix, you realize that it's like the Native Americans said, you know, Spider Woman, she who was before all things and she who connects all things and the universal grid. She who had two daughters, she who remembers, which is time, and she who matters, which is space. Mm. Wow, thank you both. I, I love how all four of us are mystics and scientists, so this will be really fun. But we are pairing in this series, the, the Main Street Mystic series, is pairing the authors of the Common Sentience book series, our spiritual wisdom keepers, we're calling them, with scientists to enrich the conversation about these topics of metaphysical and mystical experiences like we're talking about. So Paul, we're also highlighting the scientists from your book, Science Being and Becoming the Spiritual Lives of Scientists, and you're selecting who you think would best suit each topic. So I'm curious if you could tell us about Tiffany and why you chose Tiffany for the topic of angels. Fabulous. Thank you. Yeah. Tiffany was, Tiffany was one of the scientists I interviewed who became a scientist because of her spiritual experiences as a child. There were other scientists in the book who had moved into science and let's say materialism in a traditional way, then had some kind of spiritual metaphysical experience that then opened the doors. But Tiffany was different in that regard. When she was young, as she explained in the book, she had all the different clairs which she called Claire overwhelming because she didn't have a family training. She didn't have a reference to put all of it. It was very challenging, but that, that led her then to begin to study the mysteries and different ancient traditions, but also to get into a traditional Western scientific way of thinking and pursuing problems. And, and that led to much of her research, including her interest in trying to figure out how does the divinity consciousness, as Tricia was just speaking about, make its way into our physical body so that we can participate and, and perceive it. Mm, thank you. Well, I'm glad you brought her. This is going to be exciting. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you, Tricia, but I, this is really a question for all of us because um, I had an interesting experience reading Angels. And Tricia, you write, for the first time in nearly 2,000 years, science and spirituality are coming together with an understanding that there are other worlds of higher vibration that exist above, beyond, and within our world. You just even said that in your response. These dimensions have inhabitants and angels are among their number. I noticed early in the book when you were introducing the different kinds of angels, the nine levels, I kept thinking this sounds like the new science. Like I, I'm reading about your descriptions and I'm going, this is physics. And then I read a little bit farther 
and you're talking about the stars and the, the galaxies and the, and I'm thinking this also sounds like Jude Curavan's book, the story of Gaia, like this is the science. And so as I'm excited to get into this, but it was a rather peculiar experience hearing you describe these three triads and especially the first two, the first two triads of angels. I never had, I, I wouldn't have called them angels. And I'd love to hear you explain more about that. I feel like my world and my life and my work have been with the first two triads way more than the last triad. And most people, when they think of angels, think of the last triad. So when you started describing them, I'm going, this is what I've seen as a little girl. This is what I've worked with. This is what, and, and it was so not angel to me. So I'd love to hear you talk about why we call this angel when I look at it as the physics and the science and the, and the what have you. So Trisha, please explain the, the second and third triad. I love that question. And like, probably like yourself and maybe Paul and certainly Tiffany, for me, ever since I was a little girl, I I had these experiences of uh, meeting with these angelic beings and having them become teachers of light for me. And like a lot of people, I grew up in one of those great, you know, dysfunctional American families where, you know, it's like you have a choice. You can either... Uh, seek answers deeper answers for the suffering that we all go through here or you can uh you know smoke cigarettes and drink you know and so i spent time in the forest talking with these angelic beings they explained to me about the great chain of being and how the vibrational energy comes down through the dimensions to eventually form the one that we're in but of course this world the physical world is built from it's a subset if we will of the astral and the astral is a subset of the mental and the mental plane is a subset of the causal and the causal is a subset of the spiritual etheric and that's a subset of the soul and a plane and all of these dimensions have sub dimensions within them and most of us can't see them on a daily basis unless we're in an altered state of consciousness which is probably part of what Tiffany's talking about is how to begin to bio chemically shift what's the technology of shifting and of course people like jesus gave us some of the clues but they were taken out of the bible you know in the gospel of thomas he talks about when you make the two eyes into one and the inner into the outer the male into the female and the female into the male then you shall see the kingdom of heaven he's talking about literally rebalancing the hemispheres of the brain to open up the third eye to have access into the many clairs clairvoyance clairaudience clairsentience and claircognitive ability so these orders of the angels that we're talking about, many mystics that weren't watching television or on the computer in centuries prior to ours spent a lot of time meditating to try to figure out what was the hierarchy, so to speak. And it's not hierarchy so much in the sense of superior, but in the unfolding of consciousness as much as we would look at the Kabbalah as the stair-stepping of how the light and sound come down through the dimension. So... I began to have these increased experiences growing up with these angelic beings and then with divinities that basically are stationed on these different planes that are overseeing vast territories of light to help travelers, spiritual travelers like ourselves. So the first principle is love, and that's the thrones. They even have the name the one within it. So 
Those are beings of energy and light that sit within the suns, that sacrifice their lives in every moment to give light to the world, just as the sun burns up the helium and the hydrogen in order to create warmth for all the planets so that people like us can incarnate on the planets and have experiences. The second principle is sound. Those are the uh, seraphim. They literally vibrate out all the frequencies for the dimensions to be formed. The third is the light principle, which is the cherubim, where they convert the sound into the light energy to create the 144 rays of energy. We only see, you know, seven major ones down here. And then it begins again. The dominions, the virtues, and the powers are the the second order of three, and then it's the archai or principalities, the archangels and the angels, which are the third. And as you said, most people relate to the guardian angels of the ninth or the archangels that we hear about, Raphael and Michael and Gabrielle. But the second order, the dominions really hold the matrix of the dark matter or the or the time space grid i mean everything in all the worlds is is, it has to be a fabric and time and space move differently because of the frequency rate at different levels uh you know two months and let's say the higher worlds might be 60 years down here so it goes much slower down here this is kind of the slow-mo realm so that hopefully we perceive cause and effect we begin to see how our actions create reactions and we begin to learn our spiritual lessons based on our experiences and how we react so the dominions hold that matrix so they hold the power of one and four the virtues are the weavers of that dark matter grid which they say is 90% of the it's the scaffolding for the the 10% of the visible world and then the dominions or the i mean the uh, powers basically are where the energy of the light and sound begin to form sacred geometry that is the foundation for uh, all atomic matter that eventually produces what we see as form down here so that's a short version those six orders don't look remotely human you know, they're, they're divine presences with intelligence and, and divine service. But the angels don't have an ego like we do. They don't have the conflicted emotional body like we do. You know, we're, we're a mess down here sometimes. You know, they're hooked in to the light and sound at all times. And for us, it's a choice. We can choose to be connected or we can choose to tune it out, which a lot of people do. Maybe because I don't even know it exists, but uh, that's a long answer, but hopefully short uh, in, for this program. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great one. And I want Paul and Tiffany to jump in here with their response to this too. But I do want to follow up with the dominions before you do, because I think it's really fascinating. When I read the dominions, you describe them as the switchboard operators of the universe. I love that. And they're constantly having information relayed to them from every point in the galaxies, which make them very wise. On Earth right now, we're trying to replicate this in the visible world and teach humanity how to work together. So I, the, the collective of, of individuals I work with, this seems like, can we, can we recreate the dominions to build the new Earth and create cooperative communities that care for all life? So with the second triad of angels. Are they here to assist us now? I know you talk about the um, principalities 
in the third triad as as those bringing new change and 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 really helping these new ideas come to fruition, starting movements. You you talk about the principalities, but I'm wondering. Um, I see the impulse of evolution really informing us to recreate the dominions and the network and the sacred geometry more into form so we get wired as a humanity, as a species, as a superorganism. I'm wondering if there's any correlation there, because a lot of our listeners will be loving this answer, whatever it is, just as an information. And then I'd love Tiffany and Paul to jump in here too. Well, I just want to say that each one of us, even we're, though we're in the human world now, so, you know, we come into this world and mostly we're amnesic. We, we're, you know, 7 to 10% of our consciousness on a good day. You know, so if you would imagine there's another 90% of who we are that most of us are not aware of. And we are far greater beings than we realize that we are, even though we may be acting out in not very conscious ways. But each one of us come from one of those angelic orders, even though we're down here human. Julia, I've read for over 6,000 people clairvoyantly all over the world. I've only read for six dominions. I'm a dominion. And you are also a dominion. I'll just tell you that. You're the seventh one I've met in over 6,000 people. And that's a big deal. Paul and Tiffany come from different orders. They come from the powers. The powers the powers sit beneath Metatron. Most people think Metatron's an archangel. Uh, I'm sure he can appear that way, but he's actually much higher than the angelic orders. He oversees the entire magnetic field, which has to do with the structure of the sacred geometry of the universe. So the powers are powerful manifestors. But one of the reasons that they're interested in the things they are, they're interested in structure, both of them. And I mean, I've just met them and they're fascinating to me. I can't wait to know more about both of them. But I can see that they're from the powers kingdom. They're looking literally at the architecture of the universe. For Paul, he's done it through science and he's combining mysticism. Tiffany is literally as a mystic herself, saying what is this architectural structure of how we can achieve these states. And so, you know, we always have things that we can learn from them. But you and I, the dominions are the keepers of the secrets. We really are. And now it's the time for those secrets to be released into the earth because we're coming up to a graduation day on the planet for many souls. You know, it's a completion of a very big, 26,000 year cycle that we're at the end of. So it's now time for these to come out. And this is why you, you connect everybody, Julie, you know, you're, you're just, you're this amazing matrix yourself. And I mean, I've just met you guys, but I can see all this in your fields and you're um, all three of you are just astonishing. I hope we all stay friends. You're lovely. (laughs) Well, indeed we shall. And I'd like to follow up on a part of what you said, Tricia, and it might have come out a little bit already, but many of us are aware that humanity is indeed going through a kind of acceleration process. So many people that I know are reporting these changes. Where amongst all these different nine realms that you speak about and you were just sharing with us, are the, where are the sources for these impulses that begin to accelerate humanity's growth and evolution at different times, because something feels different now than it did years ago and then 10 years ago and so forth. Where is it coming from? I am really happy to respond to that, but I want to give Tiffany also a chance to to talk so she may have some input on this. 
Please go ahead and stay in the rhythm and then we'll come back to some concepts. Okay. So basically, you know, time and space are, we think of them as linear, but they're basically circular, but they're also spiral. So everything like from the way the hair grows on the top of our head to our fingerprints to roses is all spiral, the galaxies. So we don't just go around the galaxy every 240 million or 260 million years, uh, like a flat record player, we go up and down like a sine wave. And so that is when we, from the time we go up from the galactic equator, let us say, if we imagine it like a horizontal line, and we go up like a sine wave and to the top, and then we come back down and we cross the galactic equator and we drop below it. And then we make an entire loop to the bottom and come back up to where we started. That is what the ancients called a great year. It's a 25,920 year or 26,000 year cycle. So during that time, there are four key points. The times we cross the galactic equator and the top of the sine wave and the bottom of the sine wave. So the bottom was Taurus. Okay. That was uh, probably about 4,400 to about 2,100 BC, something like that. Um, so we're now moving into the middle section, which is Aquarius. And then the top of it is Scorpio, okay, which is, you know, in its low form is misuse of power, but in its high form is really the Phoenix or the Christ consciousness. And then when we come back down and we cross through it again, it's in Leo. So because we're moving into alignment with these galactic energies of enormous activation that are coming from the center of the galaxy, and of course the center of every galaxy has a black hole, and the black hole is really kind of like the divine mother energy hidden within the divine masculine energy. We can say, you know, the the yin and the yang. So it's kind of like behind every great man is a wonderful, fabulous woman, or we would hope so anyway. <laughs> so in this case, the, the black hole is, let us say, the womb of the mother that's emanating out or pulling energy in, or let us say, being an anchor point for the galaxy to form. So we're moving into an area of the galactic frequencies that are increasing the vibration of our entire solar system. And as we cross through, what's going to happen is the polarity on the planet is going to change. So right now we have the poles the way they are, the sun's rising in the east. But there are actually reports historically that at the time of Atlantis, the sun rose in the west and set in the east. Now, it's hard for my brain to even figure out what that would look like, okay? But I've heard just recently that they're saying that the molten core of the earth has stopped spinning. Now, the only way that can possibly happen is when we're, we're going to move through the center of the galaxy, the galactic um, equator, and then the polarities will reverse. So we might, everything in our galaxy might start, I mean, our solar system, might start spinning the other way, which would then put the sun coming up in the west. So this is what I've seen for a long time, you know, at a clairvoyant level, and my profound guides have told me, but of course, I didn't want to sound like a crazy person, because, you know, my brain can hardly even imagine how that could happen. But certainly, it makes sense that we're changing polarities. This is why the poles are melting. And if you look at all the planets in our solar system, you see there's something going on in the North and South Pole and every single one of those planets, because it's not just Earth, it's the whole solar system. Does that make sense to everybody? It absolutely does. And I love that we're going here. And I want to call out a the introduction of Paul's book, where 
he talks about having an experience with the being, with a being at the galactic center and what the message is for humanity. So our essence is really love. And then to have that literally reverberated throughout the planet and the the solar systems. And then it's also not lost on me right now about the our planet going through what's called a grand solar minimum, where the shape of what how we're moving through space and the things that we are being exposed to in a photon belt, it might make, I, I'm wondering, this is maybe a good question for you, Trisha, is it going to make interactions with these light beings, these divine beings, these angelic beings at all levels? Is it going to make it more accessible for us because of these changes? And also, do we have to ask for that in order to be granted? Boy, that is one great question, isn't it? I would certainly think that it would. And and I think it's one of the reasons why as these frequencies are coming in, you sort of have three responses going on all over the world. You have people like our listeners who are waking up. I mean, uh, maybe they woke up five years ago or three years ago or 25 years ago, but they're in huge activation themselves. And what this sometimes means is fabulous, great, amazing phenomenal spiritual experiences, but it can also mean having to clean up your karma because you're ending that 26,000 year or longer cycle. So you're getting to meet people that you've known before. And if they're tangled threads, you're having to untangle them and do emotional healing work. So that's one thing it can look like. For the people who really have chosen the dark side of the force, you know, they are holding on tooth and nail trying to use control mechanisms to, um, you know, waylay the reception of these higher frequencies for people, whether it's GMOs or towers that are broadcasting not good frequencies or whatever it is. There's a lot of different versions of what it can be, you know, getting us hooked on meds or drugs or, you know, things that will interfere with our frequency. But then there are people in the middle that I think don't have a spiritual foundation for whatever reason. Maybe they didn't grow up with it or they rejected the one that they had. And a lot of these people are so stressed out that, you know, suddenly this is why we're having all these crazy outbursts of violence. They they feel like they're going crazy in their own head and they want to take their own life or, and they'd like to, they're so angry for whatever the reason that they're going to take out anybody they can along with them. And so... It's definitely a time of huge testing on the planet. It's like the, you know, I guess the Christian version of the wheat and the chaff being separated. So we have to do what Paul's been writing about and Tiffany's been talking about, which is really try our best to stay in that heart-centered place of love and forgiveness, even forgiveness for ourselves, because you know, we are human and we make mistakes and we have to remember to love ourselves as well as everybody else and make more conscious choices. And then that that light frequency can really um, get activated in us. And as you said, Tiffany, sometimes we have to consciously just invite it in. 
you know, especially in this day and age, because we're bombarded with so much stuff that's distractive. We have to remember whether it's a meditation practice or setting up an altar in our house or taking a walk and talking to the divine or whatever, spending time in nature, whatever it looks like for an individual, we have to really remember to stay, stay with it. Working with our dreams at night, that's another way we can do it where we call in the light over us and we call in our um, our higher self and our beloved guides because everybody's got angelic guides you know if they're willing sometimes i i feel like <laughs> our higher self it, you know it's like driving a buckboard and the ego's in the front seat with the reins and the higher self and the angels are sitting in the back going Ari they he never listens to me you know <laughs> you know i can't get his attention Sometimes we have to get brought to our knees and lose that which our ego identifies with in order to be in a place of enough surrender that we can really say, you know what, I don't have all the answers, but I'm willing, I'm open and willing to um, invite in this light because I, 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 my life as I was running it before isn't working the same. Trisha, I just have a question about the specificity of our invitation. You write throughout the entire book of angels that we need to invite them in. And I'm hoping that means all three of the, the tiers that you speak of, all nine. But what about the specificity? I think some of the readers or listeners out there would say, do I have to call on that one entity or can I blanket an invitation and evocation? And how does that work? What is that relationship? How does it work? Well, you know, most of the higher orders of angels are really busy with some pretty cosmic jobs. <laughs> they don't usually have a lot of time to come visit us in our mother's kitchen, you know, and have marmalade or toast and tea. So this is why the guardian angels are the uh, ninth order that are assigned to each person. And, you know, I've done a lot of readings and everybody has at least one angel. Many people will have two or three. But when we have more than one, the, the, this is all soul agreements. Before we come into this lifetime, these beings are not just assigned to us. They choose us. Uh, they choose us many times because we've been with them before or they've served us before in other lifetimes. Sometimes I'll read for people and their guides have been with them for 300 years or 5,000 years. But sometimes they're very specific. So let's just say someone decides... They've been a healer in past lives. In this lifetime, they decided they finally want to come in and get married and have 3.5 children. Okay. So it's only when they're about 37 years old or 39 that they start spiritually awakening. But that once they do, they go very rapidly. By the time they're, let's say, 42 or 45, they decide, oh my gosh, you know, the kids are going off. I think I'd like to become a healer. At that point, the guide the angelic guide will come in because the person of their own free will has made the choice. Let's say someone else says, I don't know why I'm suddenly interested in sacred geometry. I, I don't know why. It's like, really, I can't, you know, all these numbers and, you know, Fibonacci spirals and I'm drawing all these things. Suddenly that guy, because the person of their own free will is saying, you know, first the soul made the soul agreement before they came in that there would come this time in their life when they would open up to those mysteries and those soul memories that they probably learned in past lives would get activated. So once the individual person begins to open up to invite that in, then that guide will come in and begin to download 
a vast amounts of information if the person's open. So, you know, if you're working with higher forces, um, and, and not the, the ninth order angels aren't incredible. They really are. But like most people, a lot of people would like to think they have Archangel Michael by their side. Well, maybe, but usually the archangels, they're very big umbrella territories. I mean, the huge arcing territories. So you might have someone from that legion who is in service to Michael. But usually when that happens, it's because the persons come from that order. They know those angels. They knew them before they ever started taking human incarnations. You know, there are contractual soul agreements that we make, whether they're with divinities, let us say, or lawful divinities like some of the great avatars that have been down here, like Buddha or Horus or Isis or Jesus. These are avatars that take human form. So let's say you've had two or three lifetimes in service to them as a priest of Isis or priestess of Isis. That contract is still in place. So that divinity who oversees a much larger territory on the inner planes and perhaps influenced over the course of thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of people can then come in as a wisdom teacher and help pull other people that have similar contracts together to support a mutual mission for the wisdom of society. So this is how it kind of works. And that's why the divinities, the lawful ones, they don't take your power. You're not worshiping them like salami, salami, baloney. They are guides to assist you and remind you of your own divine nature as we're going from, you know, grammar school to junior high to graduate, go up to college. You know, these are beings that are beyond the Ph.D. by many thousands and thousands of years. And so we're in earth school down here (laughs) and we're trying to remember and many very advanced souls like yourselves and probably a lot of our listeners have already been initiates and healers and teachers in the ancient world. And they've come in to a Judeo-Christian society that's taught them, you know, some wonderful things like forgiveness and love, but has also taught them to diminish who they are as spiritual beings. Shame, blame, guilt. I mean, I, I grew up in the church, you know. I adore Jesus. As you know, that's one of my books is writing about him and other ones about writing about the divine feminine. And but what we've been taught is not necessarily the whole picture. Let's just put it like that. Indeed, I, I'd like to pose a question here for Tiffany. Um, Tiffany, because uh, Tricia and uh, Julie had already shared some of their encounters with angelic beings, and I'm wondering there's a particular story you'd like to share because we all like hearing stories about each other. It's true. And also what comes to mind is the the work in personal self-integration where we're meeting our subconscious selves, that as we grow, because we are more than just, once again, just this outer self personality, there's this, of course, the soul connection but really our subconscious really has a map more to it. So there are other aspects of our subconscious that have a lot to say about what we're doing on our journey and whether or not we are in alignment with our soul's path and missions. And as we advance in that work with personal self-integration, 
there were, I, I'm going to say this part first, and then I'm going to back up to a story that happened to me when I was a lot younger, um, having to do with the Claire's and, and a lot of confusion that I had with all of that overwhelming information. But in personal self-integration, once we get a little bit more advanced in, in that work, as I just said, we meet these as- the aspects that we've already met that act like personalities almost within us. The truth is we all have multiples. It doesn't mean that you are a multiple personality, but we all have more aspects of ourselves than just what meets the eye. So we ultimately ask for a spiritual teacher to come for each one of these. And I have noticed this kind of enveloping view of a whole lineage of teachers that may come in that have been utterly spectacular in the years of teaching this work. And it very much speaks to what you just said, Tricia, about it may not be Archangel Gabriel or one of the archangels, but definitely the the aspect or that related to whatever makes a person feel that depth of connection is what matters most. And in, in my estimation, because as they ground their otherworldly experiences and they know what they know at such a deep level, that's non-negotiable. And so you can't take a person's experience away of this, these realms and these other feelings that they have found as a result of their inquiry. So when I was younger, I, I prayed for all of these visions because I was overwhelmed. I was shown things in dreams and in my waking states and of things that I would have never wanted a child to see. But it was ultimately what I now know is that that was a, a gift of ultimately saving my life and my brother's life because I very much knew the darker ends of things. I, I knew how to navigate I, I sort of became angelically street smart, <laughs> if you could. Like, I was really able to suss out who was safe and who wasn't in our spheres of, of awareness and, and people that were around us. And I prayed as a child. I was raised Catholic, but uh, I was spared Catholic school. I, I Thank goodness. I think it's a wonderful education in so many ways, but it wouldn't it would not have fit my personality well. I had to find it an inner peace. And even though I willed away this too much knowledge, what I ultimately had to find a peace with is that I had access to this, this knowledge and wisdom. And it was very much, actually, I had a visitation from what I, if I were to compare the pictures of Archangel Michael, it was that picture that, that came to me and essentially it made me know that I was okay. And no matter, even in all of the unrest and everything that was going on, I had that image that still is with me today. It's very much in, in this left part of my vision and it informs me. It's almost like this observer relationship that I can be in a constant conversation with as needed. And that to me is such a gift. And it's, Probably, as you said, Trisha, it's, it's not Archangel Michael himself, but one of the assigned angelic forces for, for this human. And I am just grateful to have the experience and for all of the grace that it has given because I'm very much alive because I have followed angelic guidance. 
I love all of that. What you were talking about is that every life has its good and its challenges. You know, it's suffering. Some people go through suffering when they're younger. And that is a, a tough one. But what it does is it causes you to go deeper and ask those questions. And they're the questions that probably a lot of our listeners are asking and each one of us has. And so it, it if it doesn't capsize you, it begins to give you the tools that set you on your journey. And I always call this the, the karma, meaning the challenge, meets the dharma or the life's work. You know, so many times the challenges that we go through, whether we're children or teenagers or even in our 20s, becomes the motivation for what later we discover is our life purpose in service down here. So um, bravo that you came through and I totally relate to that. And Tiffany, I think a lot of people do because growing up is confusing, you know, and even if you have two good parents and if you don't have two good parents, it gets harder. Uh, So I would love to jump in and follow up on that, Tiffany, with you and kind of get a little edgy here with us because of where we're standing in in history and and this cycle that Trisha you've talked about is that we're on this precipice of this shift in our consciousness and what we know is that we don't have consciousness we are consciousness and we are all a part of the same consciousness and so inside of me I've never saw that as separate like as something out there and yet when we're in the illusion of separation, I think understanding angels, everyone loves angels. It's funny. We could talk about a- angels or aliens, uh, extraterrestrials, and everybody's comfortable because of, at least in the Western world here with the, the Christian traditions of, of understanding all the different denominations that acknowledge angels along with a lot of other religions. So it's like everybody loves angels. But we've seen them as other. We've seen them as out there. And we've begun to talk about this being our higher divine self and what that really is. So I'm kind of curious, and I'll start with you, Tiffany, and and maybe Tricia, you want to jump in here. But when we're talking about personal self-integration, we're on this precipice of the evolution of consciousness of really seeing all things in that unity, in that wholeness of who we really be. Is it important to see the angelic realm as separate from self? And as I have angels, I have these entities that are something other than I, or are we at the place now where we can begin to integrate these levels of consciousness and understand for our own personal self-integration that these are the higher realms that is me? That is that divine spark. That is, that where are we at as as a humanity, as a species, with that, Tiffany? Mm, I, I love the question, and thank you for taking us here. I see it as and both. Not everybody is comfortable with aligning themselves in that force of divinity straight away. Some people need bridges. That's what I think religion has been for a lot of people. You know, my master's is in theology. I like to say that I'm a theologian with no dogma. It's true. I don't care about the the dogma piece because it's your relationship with spirit and the divine. 
and ultimately to become where, and I love what you said, that it's not as though we have consciousness, we have that too, and we are consciousness, this and both. And really, the primary is that we are that, I am that. And and as we can find comfort, because I, and, and how I want to address this also, I still find a wobble in people's vibration when I talk about Christ consciousness and what that means and what it means to turn on these aspects. There's still people that have this this kind of hijacked uh, religiosity attached to their inborn nature and spirit. And so that's why some people may need to see a bridge and other people are more like, yeah, there's no differentiation. I, I recognize that the angels have this grand ability to live in the the sound and the light and these photonic ways of, of being. And I might not be there yet in my development, but I have access to it. And and so finding our way with that. Yeah, if I can jump in here, I, I love every the photonic waves. Well, what an image. That's just great. <laughs> um, perfect for the angels too. In the ancient world, there were mystery schools and they were all over the world from the East to Egypt, to the Essenes, to the Druids. And the mystery schools had uh, three primary initiatory levels, although there were initiations within them. In the first level, it was the divine feminine because that's the foundation of everything. The daughter, the divine mother, the creation of everything and the divine daughter, which is the Holy spirit of the Shekinah as they call it in the Jewish tradition, and or the breath of God. And the second was the divine masculine, the divine father and the divine son. So in other words, the aspects that come to earth from time to time, as Jesus did, to try to bring the wisdom to the world. And then in the third level, there was an integration. But it was always understood that there was an, uh, a, let's say, a trial period of usually one year, two years, where the outer moral teachings were taught. So if you couldn't not lie, cheat, steal, kill, or whatever, you know, the classic Ten Commandments, if you couldn't do that, they couldn't trust you to be taken into the inner world. So the dogma is the outer crust. It's kind of the rules to live by so that society can function. If you can pass that, then we know that you're pure hearted enough that you can handle these deeper mysteries. And then you're brought in. And of course, at the core, what the mysteries were designed to teach, I mean, they taught left and right brain. So they taught all the opening of all the clairs, you know, clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, healing, uh, the intelligence of the natural world with herbs and all that. And, and in the second level, Paul, they taught the sciences like you teach with sacred geometry and mathematics and physics and all of those things. But ultimately, they were not only teaching, let us say, in school, but they were giving people direct experiences. And ultimately, the purpose was for the person to have the experience of leaving their body, going into the inner realms, and experiencing themselves as an immortal and infinite being. And when you do that, you realize, oh my gosh, you know, we're on a whole nother page. It's maybe I am from the light. Maybe I am the light itself. Maybe I do come from these angelic realms. So when we come back to earth, suddenly, instead of 
you know, doing shoplifting because we can get away with it. We make choices not based on outer rules, but on the inner rule of love. That's what Jesus was teaching. Do unto others as you would want to be done to. And that's, you know, when they say, you know, he rewrote the law. He's saying if you really hold that consciousness that what we do to others is what we ultimately do to ourselves, uh, then, you know, you're not going to lie, cheat, steal, or kill. That you're not going to do that thing. So thank you for triggering all that, Tiffany. Yeah, I love this. And we are going to run out of time before. This is so juicy and I'm loving this, but I'm going to call on you, Paul, to bring us home. We have about four minutes here before we need to bring it to a close. And I'm wondering if there's any last comments that you want to synthesize what you're hearing, or perhaps you have a follow-up question or or something with either Trisha or Tiffany that, that you want to make sure we get in. What's What's emerging? What's emergent in you? I do indeed have something that's emerged. And we've touched on this a little bit during our uh, conversation thus far. It has to do with humanity itself, humanity's current state of evolution in this epoch, and where we're ultimately heading. So I'll, I'll ask you first, Tricia, and then Tiffany could chime in. But, but why was humanity, why was this particular form created within the context of this vast, beautiful, mysterious universe that we know. What's its purpose and what's its ultimate expression once it's fulfilled the reason for its creation? Wow, you don't ask uh, simple questions, do you, Paul? <laughs> My gosh. Yeah, and you get to answer all that in like two minutes or less. So <laughs> maybe one minute, you know. It's a beautiful question. Yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, I think you can do I it. I think actually each one of you have said this in the course of the uh, of the conversation, which is love. You know, if you were the one and only for all eternity, which is what the creator is, you know, you would get bored, wouldn't you? So what could you possibly do? There's just you. So the one and only begin to split itself in two. This is the divine father and mother that are ultimately joined. That's the circles with the Visica Pisces, which is the doorway from the world of spirit into the world of matter. You know, the windows of the soul, like our eyes. So, so the one became the many. And we are, you know, there are grains of sand and then there are beans the size of pebbles and then there are beans the size of oranges and grapefruit and so forth. As we move up in our awareness of who we truly are and come to claim it, and the more you do it, you don't do it from a place of ego or superiority. You do it from a place of humility and appreciation for all sentient beings everywhere. Beautiful. So... My quick answer on that is, essentially, you're asking, why life, why humanity right now? And my first answer is for the divine to experience itself in form and in love. (laughs) So beautiful. Mm. That's just so beautiful and true. That is beautiful. And in under two minutes, no less. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. Listen, I want Tiffany's website. And, and Julie, I want yours. And I guess we can give out our own or you'll give them out. Will you give them out, Julie? 
Yes, they will be on the show page and everyone will have direct links to everyone. So visit the show page. Just go to thedrjulieshow.com and you'll find all the information right there in our Main Street Mystics page. So thanks for asking that, Trisha. And I want to read I want to read all your books too. I mean, and of course we're going to send them the angel book, but <laughs> I want I want to read your books. They sound great. Yes. Well, thank you for that enthusiasm, Trisha and Tiffany. Thank you both for joining us. Paul, this was fun, wasn't it? Very much so. I'm That's just going to be doing this for a while. It, it was it was super fun. Yeah. I mean, and each one of you is so extraordinary. I mean, Paul, you spirituality of scientist. Oh, my God. And the 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 architecture of enlightenment with Tiffany. And Julie, I mean, you told me you wrote Fractured Grace. Oh, my God, I have to read them. So thank you so much for having <laughs> me on for the Angels book, The Personal Encounters with Divine Beings of Light with Common Sentience. Thank you yeah. all. And I just want to list, I'll leave the listeners with a quote from that book, Angels, by Tricia McCannon. By attuning our hearts to love, we can connect to our higher self, open to our angels, and awaken as evolving citizens of the universe. If we would let go of the illusion of separation, then we would see the world around us dripping with the magic of the sacred. Nature vibrates out this wonder all the time as if every leaf and petal is iridescently rimmed in light. I'm Julie Kroll. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. This is our Main Street Mystics series with co-host Paul J. Mills. Remember, together, we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. If you enjoyed the show, go to your favorite podcast platform. Remember to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Also, Please consider supporting The Dr. Julie Show at patreon.com backslash all things connected. When we each give a little, we all get a little more. You can stay in touch with me at juliecrawlemail.com. Thanks for listening.